0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Take your Bibles and open up to John chapter 4. Pastor and I are switching spots tonight. So before the service got started, I was up here on stage right on the time and I'm looking at my dad saying, uh, because that's exactly what he does to me whenever he's up here and I'm out there talking. So I thought that was wildly appropriate uh, how that went down uh, this evening. I'm um, excited to share with you. Pastor uh, called me yesterday, texted me yesterday, asked if I would speak tonight. And I thought, what a great opportunity because I'm going to be doing a lot of preaching this summer at camps. I have, it's, I'm so grateful for the opportunity but I don't, know, I don't get why they asked me to come because I really don't preach all that often. And so I, obviously I teach the teens, but teaching in a Sunday school class and preaching are very different things. And so um, I need to practice, I guess you could say, and just get, um, how, how did a preacher say at one time? Prime the pump, I guess is how he used it, and just get back into the rhythm of it. So I was like looking forward to it, and then he said he was going to be back in time. I said, well... I'll take it anyways just cuz I need to get my feet wet again so uh, this morning I started prepping this I have about uh, nine messages I have to preach for camp coming up here in a few weeks and uh, so I was trying to decide do I take one I still had three more to put together and I decided to just put one together and then uh, teach it tonight um so I was in this passage and I kinda had a direction I was going but one thing they teach you is when you're studying the Bible let the text decide what the message is going to be, and don't try to manipulate the text into what you want it to say. So I had kind of had a direction I was going, but as I was unpacking the passage, the Lord kind of led in a different direction. So I'm excited uh, to share this with you what the Lord showed me today as I was studying through this, and then um, to just kind of share it with you what God taught me. So let's take our Bibles here and uh, open up to John chapter four. John chapter 4, and uh, we'll start off with verses 1 through verse 4. John chapter 4, start with verses 1 through verse 4. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. And he must needs go through Samaria. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day today. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. Thank you for uh, bringing each and every one of us here tonight. I pray that you will show us some truths from your word here this evening. And that we can learn how to apply it and become more like you in our everyday lives. Lord, as we uh, study through this passage here tonight, I pray all these things. In your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let me ask you tonight, have you ever thought about what people will think about you when you're gone? Have you ever thought about what people will think about you when you're gone? Obviously, the older you get, I'm sure the more you start to think about your legacy and um, you know, how you will be remembered for your life. And what people will think about you. And I know, it. you know, whenever I go to a funeral or something and I hear all the wonderful things that are said about the person who had passed, you know, I, can't, I don't think any of us can help but think, I wonder what will be said about me. I wonder what will be said about me. What will people say? What, maybe you wonder, what impact will I make upon this world? What impact will I make upon this world? Um, As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, the best way to leave a legacy is to have a positive impact on the people around you. The best way to leave a legacy is the impact you make upon other people. Think about this. A man that lives up in the mountains and lives all by himself and never has interaction with anybody, what impact does he make upon this world? Nothing. Nobody even knows it. When he's gone, compared to the people that are most dearly missed are the people that have the most impact upon other people. You know, even think about famous people through our history, and uh, they were defined by how their lives impacted people. I mean, think as I was thinking about this, I thought, Thomas Edison, how that changed the course of history, inventing the light bulb. I mean, think about how uh, the work day was now able to extend. For all those that work third shift, you understand. You're like, thanks a lot, Tom. Uh, but, uh, you know, able to work all night now. And how much more the world can now do because of electri- or because of the light bulb. And now we always have access uh, to light. You know, George Washington and his decision to fight for freedom and lead our country and how it has impacted millions of people right even to this day obviously we still talk you know there's some people that uh, their legacy is is the negative impact they had upon people you know think about Hitler he's famous he is he is he will forever be a villain in history because of the heinous crimes that he committed but it's because his life impacted so many people clearly in a negative way but the way to have an impact and a legacy is to have an impact upon other people. So, uh, let me ask you this. How many, of you, how many of you would say, I want my life to matter? I want my life to matter. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody wants to just, you know, be completely forgotten when they're gone. Uh, nobody just wants to vanish in history. We all want to be remembered. And remembrances are very important. Right. I mean, think about it. every time you drive past the uh, um, the 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 graveyard and all of those are remembrances of those who have gone on before. You know, some people are so they they will spend millions of dollars to have people remember them, you know, and then they'll 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 like give, you know, 20, 30 million dollars to a college just to get their name put on a building or something like that so they can continue to be remembered. It shows you we, nobody wants to die and be totally forgotten. Nobody wants to live a life and have it matter for nothing. Nobody wants to spend their life chasing something that has no value. And I think, honestly, a lot of people get to the end of their lives and realize they spent their whole lives chasing things that don't really matter. Uh, Mark chapter 8 verse 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Nobody wants to be that guy. You know, you get to the end of your life and you got piles of treasures. And, uh, you know, there's nobody around you to share them. That, that's it. You're surrounded by money. Rachel and I uh, have this show that we like to watch. And it's about a guy that invests and uh, he, he builds companies. And um, he is worth so many millions of dollars, I can't even imagine. He, I think he has, I think he owns like, like three thousand companies. That's like, you know, he just he buys companies and builds them. That's all he does. And then we were watching an episode, and he said he didn't have any children. And I thought, oh, how sad, how sad, to to have all the millions of dollars that the world has, and then you die and you have no legacy. And that's just so tragic. And so all of us want to make an impact. We want to make an impact. We want to be remembered in our lives. Um, I'm here to tell you this. Each and every one of us have the opportunity to leave that lasting impact in our lives and so now we're getting into our passage here and from this passage we have i noticed four characteristics about jesus and his interaction this passage is about the woman at the well this is a very uh common story for us we all know this story very well we've heard it many times probably through Sunday school and uh, heard it preached about but this is the woman at the well a very common story I know four characteristics about Jesus and his interaction with the woman at the well and I believe that if we are to follow these steps that Jesus followed we can guarantee that our lives will make an impact all right so let's start unpacking this passage and seeing uh, some truths from this passage here here this evening. All right, John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. And he must needs go through Samaria. So, the first thing I see here is that Jesus was surrendered to God's leading in his life. Jesus was surrendered to God's leading in his life. Notice verse 4, it says that he must needs go through Samaria. There was three different ways that Jesus could have taken to get from Judea to Galilee. And actually going through Samaria was not the most common way. Um, it was the fastest way but it was not the most common way specifically for Jews. Uh, He could have gone along the coast, which was more common. He could have gone through Perea, which is up to the north side of Jordan, or he could go through Samaria. Um, Josephus tells us that though it was the most direct route through Samaria, the Jews didn't typically go there due to their disgust and prejudice against the Samaritans. So for those of you that didn't know and you will understand from studying the scriptures is that the Jews had no fondness for Samaritans. Actually, the Jews had no fondness for anybody that was not a Jew, okay? They kind of were just all about the Jews and were pretty much prejudiced against everyone that wasn't Jews, all right? They were God's chosen people and it kind of went to their heads a little bit. So they really had a strong prejudice against everyone but Jews, which is something through the ministry of Jesus Christ, he really tried to Uh, develop in his disciples to have more compassion for other people so they were going through Samaria but but here we see God led him and God was leading Jesus to go through Samaria God was leading him so Jesus is if this is where God is telling me I must go this is the way God is leading I must go he must needs go through Samaria it didn't just happen to be the way he was taking. It wasn't just, he was like, hey, we need to get there faster. No, God was leading and he said, I must needs go. He felt the need. He, he was following God's leading in his life. Going any other way was not an option. He was going the way that God had for him. Jesus was surrendered to God's leading in his life. It wasn't, he, you know, this wasn't the way... I would, as far as Jesus, you know, this isn't the way I would typically go. This isn't the way, this isn't what I would typically do. But if this is God's leading, I must do it. I wonder how many times we truly follow God's leading in our lives. How many times do we truly follow God's leading in our lives? <clears throat> I wonder how many opportunities we miss because we are not following the leading of the Lord. Honestly, if you think about it, how many times does the things we do in our lives and the decisions we make line up with our just pretty much what we want to do, right? As we wake up and we set our agenda for the day and as we uh, are interacting with people, really the thing that dictates our calendar and our what we're going to do in our lives really a lot of times is what we want to do. That that's really what it comes down to. A lot of times, we will make life-changing decisions based off how much money am I going to make. Really, that's that's uh, that's all we think about. How much money am I going to make? What what does this mean for me financially? You know, some people. You know, like um, some people will make life-changing decisions based off the weather. <laughs> you know. Um, like, uh, you know, there's this opportunity to move and get this job, and man, the weather is just so much better there than Michigan. It's like, what? You're going to make a life-changing decision based off the weather and how much nicer that state is than, than Michigan? That's craziness. But some people make life-changing decisions off the weather. Where are you going to go to college? Oh, man, I don't know. I think I'm definitely going to go to college in Florida. The weather's way better than Michigan. It's like, no, that's... Sorry, Obi. That... I wasn't talking about you specifically. Uh, if... I went to College of Florida. So, um, and that no, I'm just kidding. But that is that's the that's the basis of what some people will make their decision on. And let me ask you this. How many people would say I'm praying about this job or this or or whatever. But what they really mean is I'm thinking about it. They've actually really never prayed about it. I'm praying about whether to buy this car. But they really haven't prayed about it. They're just trying to decide, do I want to buy this car or not? And how many people say I'm praying about it and say I'm following God's will, but really that's just Christian language for I'm thinking about it? How many of us are truly committed to following God's will in our life? Even Look look later in this passage, even more of what Jesus has to say about following God's will. Look at verse 31. Look at verse 31. Jesus, by the way, Jesus was fully committed to following God's will in his life. 31. And in the meanwhile, okay, so this is what's happened so far. And we're going to jump back to previous, but the, Jesus was there at the well. Uh, uh, the woman, the Samaritan woman came. He, he shared the gospel with her. She left to tell the people. Uh, the disciples had been gone getting food. They came back. The Samaritan woman left, and so the, the disciples now have food that they're going to give to Jesus uh, kind of to feed him supper. And in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. All right, so they went out, they got food, they came back. Master, we, uh, we got dinner? Please partake of this food that we just went and got. But he, Jesus, verse 32, but he, Jesus, said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. So Jesus said, no, thank you. I I already ate (laughs) and uh, verse 33 therefore saith his disciples one to another hath any man brought him ought to eat somebody when we were gone getting food must have came by and shared their dinner with Jesus I guess that's that's the only explanation for what Jesus just said verse 34 and Jesus said unto them my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work so so could we say, could you and I say this? Could we say that following God's will for our lives is as necessary to us as food? That is to say, I can't imagine going a day without thinking about the will of God. I guarantee you, nobody here goes a day without thinking about food sometime during the day. All right? Even if you're really busy, you know, getting around nighttime, you start, you get a, you're driving by and, you know, you got one of those steak houses and you get a whiff of that I think they just kind of blow that smell out you know and then all of a sudden you're like wow I am hungry how could you imagine going a day without food or like thinking about it and that's like to say that Jesus said unto them my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work that's like saying I can't imagine going a day without doing the will of God I can't imagine going a day without eating we don't Go without eating, fasting is actually a a, a um, spiritual discipline that I believe that we rarely uh, practice anymore, which is too bad. Uh, but we rarely practice the spiritual discipline of fasting. Uh, but uh, but but Jesus saying that would also be like saying I can't imagine uh, going a day without thinking about God's direction for my life. Like I it's it's. Uh, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. I can't even imagine. Could you imagine going a day without thinking about food or without eating? Jesus said, I, I can't even imagine going a day without thinking about what God's will is for my life. I can't even imagine going a day with, uh, uh, um, without seeking God's direction for my life. Doing and, and seeking uh, and following God's will is the very thing that sustains me. Could you imagine... I mean, is that our thought process? Like, we're that passionate about spending time in God's word. We're that passionate about every morning that, that we get into God's word. Like, God, what, do you, what is your will for me today? What, what direction would you have me go? The first step towards making a difference is being surrendered to God's direction in our lives. Being surrendered to God's direction. All right, let's look here. Number two. Number two. Time's going by fast. Uh, verse 5 then cometh he to the city of Samaria which is called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph I i actually been just been studying through the life of Joseph I was so excited about it I put together a series of lessons for camp and I was I, I enjoyed it so much studying through that I decided we're gonna go through that uh, for our student ministry next year uh, so I really resonated with this passage here. I was like, ah, I was just studying through that. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied, <clears throat> Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman from Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me drink. So We see here right now in this passage, this is what's going on. Jesus had just gotten done with his journey, and the passage says he was wearied, right? Jesus was exhausted. Have you ever been exhausted before? I tell you what, we just got done playing. Last night, we played a doubleheader softball. I'm telling you, doubleheaders used to be so much more fun about uh, eight or nine years ago than they are today. I mean, when doubleheaders came up, it was just like, yes, I love doubleheaders. Now doubleheaders come up and I'm like, oh, you know, by the end of our game last night, you know, our, our, uh, our guys were limping. They were bringing in extra runners and hobbling in and out of the field. You know, that's what doubleheaders do nowadays. Uh, but Jesus was Exhausted. They had been traveling all day. It says it was uh, like the sixth hour, that's about six o'clock at night. Okay, so it's getting near the end of the day. They'd been traveling all day. Knowing Jesus, I'm sure he wasn't waking up at like 10 o'clock in the morning, okay, just knowing who Jesus was and understanding his life. I'm sure he was up early that morning, spending time with the Lord. I don't think they all stopped on the way here to take a nap, all right? Now, it's a different story. When Jesus was in a boat, he would take naps, but I doubt he took a nap on his way uh, uh, here. So they had been traveling. They were exhausted. But remember, Jesus was fully God, yet fully human, okay? Jesus got exhausted just like we did okay we he had the same type of physical body that we did he got physically tired just like we do um, and I don't know about you but I always get tired traveling um, I just went uh, down to Florida to get a minivan and I flew down there and the Lord really set it all up and it worked out really well my dad was down there and so I flew down when him and my mom were in Sarasota and I drove the minivan back and uh, I'm going to tell you, driving from Florida back to Michigan at one time, I did pack, I flew down, I packed two pillows in my suitcase so that on the way back I could sleep in the back of the van. That's, that's thinking right there. And uh, I stopped by Walmart and got a $5 blanket and I knew I'd just lay the seats down and and uh, some, of, some of you guys are like, those days are past. <laughs> the days of sleeping in the back of minivans are long past. I'm sleeping in a hotel, no matter how much it costs. But that's what I did. I was traveling back, and by the time I got home, I was so exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted. And I was driving in a minivan with AC the whole way. You know what I mean? Listening to podcasts, okay? Uh, that's not the way they traveled back in this day, okay? They weren't driving in minivans. Jesus didn't have a little DVD player for the disciples to keep them entertained, okay? Um, that's, that's not how they traveled. They were traveling on a road with sandals. I, I, you know what I'm saying? When they got to the end of a journey, they were exhausted. Jesus was exhausted. I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to do when I'm tired... Is minister to people. I, there have been times where I haven't felt good and, uh, you know, I've been coming down with something <clears throat> and, and we're on our way to church and I look over at my wife and say, I don't even feel like being friendly tonight. <laughs> you got to pray for me. Like, I'm just, I'm feeling so wore out and I am just, I'm not feeling well and I don't even feel like pretending I'm happy. Have you have you ever been there? Have you ever been like you know you're on your way? You're like I just don't even feel like putting on a pretend happy face. I just I'm feeling grumpy. That's what I feel like, and I want to be grumpy. I when I'm exhausted, the last thing I want to do is minister to people. Um, I don't like being around people when I'm tired. I like being by myself. And, uh, you know, different people are different. But when I'm tired and I'm grumpy, I know I'm grumpy. Therefore, I don't want to be around people because then they're just going to think I'm mad at them. But I'm really not. I just, you know, just want to be by myself. And I just want to rest. I want to I get rested. That's all I want to do. Get back on track. So we see first that Jesus was surrendered to God's leading. And the second thing I see here is Jesus was surrendered to God's timing. Jesus was surrendered to God's leading. Jesus was also surrendered to God's timing. Jesus was exhausted. Okay, it says here, he was wearied. He was exhausted. He was ready for rest. He finally had a chance to sit down after all day of traveling, but the Lord brought somebody along his way to minister to. And Jesus was going to take this opportunity to share the gospel. He was going to take this opportunity to share the gospel. I wonder how many times we've missed an opportunity to minister to somebody because we were tired. I wonder how many times we missed an opportunity to minister to somebody because the timing was just so inconvenient. This is just an inconvenient time. You know, that was an inconvenient time for Jesus. He was tired. he had been traveling all day. He's like, I, got, I, I, I can minister tomorrow. I just want to rest tonight. You know, I want to sit in my Lazy Boy. I want to I kick that lazy boy stand up. And I remember when we were kids, I think this lazy boy was broken, but as you would lean it back, like it just never stopped. You know what I'm saying? Like it would go all the way and your feet would be above your head. That's the t- I, need, I need another one of those, man. Those were the best. He's just like, ah. Oh. But you know, he's just ready to rest. I wonder how many times... We do not miss the opportunity to minister to somebody because of the inconvenient time. Have you ever felt like the Lord was asking you to minister to someone or, or share something with somebody and you were just too tired or you were too busy? It's like, Lord, this just isn't a good time. Or, Lord, if I talk to this person, I'm going to be late. I'm really late. I'm trying. I'm in a rush. Or, you know, oh, if I minister to this person, you know, like you're, you're talking to them and you're putting the groceries in the back of the car and you know you have a whole tub of ice cream and you're like, good grief, I don't get away from this person. The ice cream's going to melt. I'm going to be out five bucks. We've got to be surrendered to God's timing in our lives. We've got to be surrendered to God's timing in our lives. You know, <clears throat> speaking of God's timing, I was... Um, it's, and, and honestly, it usually seems like the Lord brings things along not at our timing, <laughs> if, you know, if you know what I mean. It just, the, the situation is never just that perfect situation. That it's just God God has a funny way of working like that. So <clears throat> I remember I had been praying, and uh, I've really been praying that the Lord will give me more opportunities to share the gospel. It's something I've really been praying in my life. And, uh, you know, I just don't get the opportunity to interact a lot with um people in the secular world, you know, because most of my interactions is just like going to the grocery store. So I don't get to have like meaningful interactions with people. And I've been praying, Lord, don't just give me opportunities to share the gospel, like giving out a track or something. Like I want to have real conversations with people. I want to have like real gospel conversations that are going to take more than, you know, two minutes. Like I want to have like 30 minutes, an hour conversations with people and really share the gospel with them and, and, and talk with them and I've really been praying that and so I've been praying it that morning Lord bring along an opportunity this morning and that day happened to be the day before Easter so it was Saturday and um, for those of you that know uh, Easter morning we had our baby and so it was Saturday night okay and so Saturday night we're getting ready to go into the hospital. Rachel is having contractions and they were clearly speeding up. Um, we were pretty much just waiting. You know, I was pretty much just waiting for her to tell me, let's go. She was a little bit um, not wanting to go because we'd already gone twice and they had sent her home. And for, you know, any of you women that have done that, it's like, I don't want to go in again. And then I'll send them home. And, and so she was like, I'm, I want to make sure next time I go, I am staying there until I have the baby. So we're sitting there, and we're in the back room, and I'm, I'm trying to comfort her as much as you can uh, at that time, you know. So I'm really spending time with her, and clearly there's really nothing I can do. So I decided to play some Xbox, like, uh, you know, it's just sitting there next to my wife, spending time with her. And uh, so we're sitting there, and she's been having contractions for like four hours, okay. So we're just sitting there, and, and I'm just, I'm waiting. It's, it's time to go. And Rachel hits me and she says, someone's at the door. And I'm like, so? I mean, this is 2019, people. Someone doesn't come to your door that you know unless they call or text first. You know what I'm saying? Like, people just don't stop by like in the olden days, okay? So I'm like, if someone's at our door, it's clearly nobody I know. It's a politician or, or something. And, and so I was just like, all right, I'm not going to get the door. Like... And she goes, no, Titus already got it. Four-year-olds, man. So I jump up, I get to the door, and there's two Mormons. Like, obviously, if someone's gonna knock at your door, it's gonna be like a politics or a Mormon. And uh, so they come to the door, and then they start into their spiel, and I'm like, unbelievable. And like, as they were talking, the Lord was like, "These you've been asking, and uh, here they are. I'm sending you these guys." And so while they were talking, the Lord kind of cleared my mind. Actually, they really caught me off guard because I had no idea what to expect. And then they started, like, asking me questions like, well, what do you believe about the resurrection? I'm just like, good grief, man. Like, I'm in my boxers. No, I wasn't in my boxers. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, like, like, I'm totally at a disadvantage. I haven't had time to think about this. Like, you know. So I tell them, I'm like, listen, listen. I said, my wife, this is a true story. (laughs) I can't imagine how many excuses Mormons have heard. I was like, my wife is in the back, and we're about to have a baby. (laughs) And I was like, in my mind, I know what they're thinking. Like, wow, let's chalk that one up on another one that we've heard. Uh, But I was like, like, my wife's in the back, and she's about to have a baby. I said, but listen, uh, before you guys go on, I just don't have time to talk to you. But take my number. I would love to follow up with you. Uh, Maybe in a week or two and continue this conversation and uh, we all eventually did get the opportunity to to reconnect and I had a wonderful conversation with them. Um, We talked for about two hours at the coffee shop and um, you know uh, just a lot of great back and forth and um, it was just a wonderful experience. I'm still in contact with them to this day and I was totally and completely able to share the full gospel expound it. Obviously, I didn't really have much hope of swaying them. They're pretty hardcore. But um, but still, I got the opportunity to fully share the gospel. And I almost missed that opportunity because it was an inconvenient time. And I gave you that as a positive illustration. I got about 100 million bad illustrations I could have given you. I was like, yes, I've got one good illustration. I'm going to use it. Um, so usually, I'm the exact opposite. But... Listen, it's usually the inconvenient times that come along, but we have to be surrendered, our our schedule, but then we also need to surrender to God's timing in our lives. We need to surrender to God's timing in our lives. Every day we wake up, we need to spend time trying to get to know the mind of God, right? That's through reading the scriptures, getting to understand the mind of God. By the way, if you want to know the will of God, spend time reading the Bible. The will of God is all throughout the Bible. So it is God's will for you to read the Bible. And then through reading the Bible, you will see what God's will is. Most of the things that people talk about God's will and that, you know, what is God's will? Most of it is already written down for us. There are a few things that God leads us in, but if more people would just read the Bible, they'd have more clarity in what God's will is. Uh, So every day we wake up, spend time reading God's word, studying it, praying, saying, Lord, make me sensitive today to your leading. Lord, take my time, take my resources, take my schedule and use them today for your purpose. Use me today for your purpose. Surrender your time. First, we see he surrendered to God's leading. Second, we see he surrendered to to God's timing. The woman came. It was an inconvenient time. He was tired. He was exhausted. He ministered anyways. Your life is defined by how you impact people. All right. Verses 8 through 26. We're not going to read it for sake of time, but Jesus shares the gospel with this woman. Verse 25. And I got to move through these super fast. I'm only halfway through this message, but I'm going to wrap it up really, really fast for you guys. Um, uh, verse 25. So verse 8 through verse 26. Jesus shares the gospel. Verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So the third thing I see is, number one, <clears throat> Jesus surrendered to God's leading. He surrendered to God's timing. And third, we see that he shares the gospel. He shares the gospel. Jesus gave this woman the words of life. Jesus gave this woman what the Bible would call the living waters. Jesus, gave, Jesus was telling this woman, the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, he's here. And I am he. I am here. Let me ask you this. How many of us share the gospel? How many of us actually get to the point where we share the gospel? You know, you can be surrendered to God's leading and you can be surrendered to God's timing, but if you never get to the gospel, then you really haven't accomplished what you're supposed to accomplish. You know, what's the difference between the church and uh, like a nonprofit that goes out and feeds the poor and feeds all those people what's the difference between the church well the reason we do all of that and the reason the church does all the things that it does is to communicate the gospel they just do it to be nice but we do it because the gospel is the reason that we do it if we just minister without the gospel then we're just we're just a charity Right? That's all we are. But we do it because of the gospel. The gospel is the driving force behind everything that we do. And why don't Christians share the gospel? Some think they don't know how. You know, they might say, I know that I'm saved, and I know that I accepted Christ, but I don't, I don't really know how to tell that to other people. Some, some would say that. We talked about this actually in Sunday school because we're going through an evangelism series Coming up throughout the summer, and this last Sunday we talked about some of the reasons Christians don't share the gospel. Some are some are caught up in their their own sin struggles, right? They uh, they sin, they repent, they're good for a day. They sin, they repent, they're good for a day, and so so they you know they they're like I can't share the gospel. I'm I'm so messed up myself. I can't share the gospel, and they're just in this constant tug of war in their spirit between you know feeling conviction, repenting, sinning, feeling conviction, repenting, and like you know they just. They feel like hypocrites, and that's why they don't share the gospel. And by the way, for those that do feel like that, remember the woman at the well. She had been married five times, and the woman she was with, or the man she was with, was not her husband. And uh, she's pretty immoral, and yet she went out and she told everyone she could about Jesus. So, you know, we really don't have an excuse. I don't think anybody here has been married five times and the person you're living with is not, you're not actually married to. So she was a very wicked and moral woman. But yet she told everyone she could about Jesus. But some are stuck in their own struggles. She, you know, some don't realize that it's really their responsibility to share the gospel. They think, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm not really outgoing like other people. And I'm just going to leave the evangelism to people that are better at it. You know, I'm going to leave evangelism to the pros. You know, people that know what they're doing. And, uh, but there was a guy that I was uh, listening to, and he was preaching about evangelism, and he's like, you know, the people that changed the world, the people that, that were Christianity just grew like wildflower, uh, wildfire, uh, those people that shared the gospel were Joes, not the pros. The people that shared the gospel, were, I mean, this is like in the book of Acts, when just people are coming all over the world and Christianity just exploded, those people weren't all doctrinally sound. They weren't like, I mean, they were establishing churches left and right while they're doing it. They, they hadn't been sitting in a church for the last 20 years. They were just normal people. They had just heard the gospel, saw what Jesus Christ had done in their life, and were sharing it with other people. But some people don't realize it's their responsibility or don't take that seriously. And, and, um, but i think a lot of us are just too inwardly focused we're just so focused on ourselves and our own needs and you know and just that's we're just so focused on what we need and what we're doing we just fail to see the world the way jesus does with compassion <clears throat> if we ever If we don't get to the gospel and the things that we do and our interactions with people, if we don't get to the gospel, then we really haven't done our job. The power is in the gospel. The power is in telling people who Jesus Christ is. And the power is in the cross and the empty tomb. The gospel is the power behind everything that we do. And that's what we got to get to. That is the heart of the church and everything is sharing the gospel. We have to get to the gospel. So first we see, uh, we saw that Jesus was surrendered to God's will and leading in his life. Second, he was surrendered to God's timing. And third, we see that Jesus shared the gospel. And this is it. This is the last one. And and I'm going to go really fast. Lastly, we see the result of surrender is the spread of the gospel. The result of surrender is the spread of the gospel. Um, uh, Look here, uh, verses 28 and 29 and 30. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. You know, just a real quick observation, just kind of off topic here. But look what it says here, 29. Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. You know, Jesus spoke the truth in love. The driving force behind the truth in the gospel that Jesus spoke was in love. I mean, listen to this. Wouldn't you think that if someone were to confront you about your sin and just like out of the blue, you're having this conversation and they confront you about the wickedness that you're involved in and even the hidden sin that you didn't think anybody knew about and someone confronts you, don't you think you'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, who do you think you are? I mean, he was confronting her about her wickedness. He, he was exposing her sin. I mean, none of us like our sin to be exposed, but we see from Jesus that he was so full of truth and love that even though he exposed her sin, she wanted to be around him anyways. That, so, so I think sometimes we get, you know, we're like all oh, law, 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 but then we don't balance that out with love and grace. There's got to be a balance of the both. You can have love and grace without having the law, right? You gotta call sin what it is. Sin is sin. But yet you've got to have that love on the other side. So I guess I just challenge you real quickly here. you got to have that love and grace with the truth. Because if you just have truth, 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 shove it down people's throats, there, that bitterness, um, resentment, like who do you think you are? But yet, even though Jesus was confronting her about her sin, yet what does she say? Come and see this man, uh, which told me all things, whichever I did. First of all, why would you want people to know that? Hey, come check out this guy who told me all the wickedness I was involved in. It's amazing, right? But look at that's that shows you the way Jesus was, the balance between truth and love. Come see a man which told me all things, whichever I did, is not this the Christ? They went out of the city and came unto him. So, the last thing we see, the result of surrender, is the spread of the gospel. The gospel spread. Who knows, who knows how many people that woman ultimately led to Christ? I mean, imagine, imagine someday that you get to heaven and you find out that you witnessed to somebody in an entire city, came to know Christ because of that person you witnessed to. How awesome would that be? And, you know, I can imagine that woman for the rest of her life, you know, at the market, she's talking to someone and says, hey, let me tell you about when I met Jesus. Maybe she's at that same well with some other ladies. And they're just drawing water for the day, and she says, you know who I met here? I met Jesus here. And her story is still being told today. What impact could you have on eternity if you would just share the gospel? Imagine what God could do through you through a surrendered life. God's ultimate plan is for the gospel to be proclaimed. Hey, I don't understand why God chose to use voices and mouths and Christians to communicate the gospel. He could have chosen a different way. He could have, but he chose to use us. It's our responsibility. Here's the example Jesus set for us. We need to surrender our lives to God's direction, to his will. We need to surrender our timing. That is such a hard one. We need to surre- We need to tell others about him and the result of it will be the spread of the Gospel.